right, guys, welcome back. Another podcast episode here. Um, probably you're, you're, if you're listening to this when we just released it, it's probably because we did a bunch of them the week before, and uh, I plan on being out of the office most of next week. It's Memorial Day week, um, and our team of guys, our warehouse, is uh, everybody within our organization is coming up to the cabin for a couple of days later in the week, and we're doing uh, what I'm going to call a, what do I call it? The first annual Mod Lake. Oh, the Mod Lake fishery. fishery, yeah. But I'm going to power scout a new lake with them as my guinea pigs. But uh, team team building. We're going to do team building. I think that's the thing you're supposed to call it these days. So uh, we will be. So if you're listening to this when we first launch it, that's probably where I am. Um, ben, I give him credit. I actually gave him some credit in a Facebook post recently. Here uh, is pushing me to continue to get these recorded ahead of time, knowing that we're going to be gone. Um, so I appreciate that. Sometimes that is what it takes um, is some accountability and, and it's not always necessarily got to be put on yourself. I think uh, there are people within your circle that you can look at when it, when it comes to just about anything. And we'll talk specifically dog training, but you know, I don't think it's a bad idea to have training partners. Uh, or friends and family that maybe they're training their dogs, maybe they're helping you train with your dog, whatever it is. I do think it's nice to have, we have our trainers group, which is a group of friends of mine that we, that, that also are instrumental in how we put together workshops and, and we run our own little trainers group where we correspond, we bounce ideas and stuff back. And then when we get together and I know from my perspective, when we get together, we plan it ahead of time. And it's usually something that I look at and go, I need to be prepared for. Well, that just knowing that I need to be prepared for it out of probably pride and, um, you know, just wanting to, to show a good product when it comes to working the dogs, um, that's inspiration and motivation enough to get me to go and work on certain things. Cause I know that if I don't, they'll show up and then they show up in those wrong situations It, you know, it's no one feels good. Um, it's embarrassing and, and you, you get self-conscious of whether or not you're doing a good job. And so I think having small groups is, is real good. Uh, that's, that's my tip of the day for that. But, um, Ben has been my small group therapy session, uh, when it comes to getting, getting these recorded. So we're, I'm, I'm going to, it's another, we're going to use, I'm going to use a Facebook question, um, for this one. And I think it's there's a few interesting parts to it. So it came recently this month. Um, it, it started the first message I ever received was in May, uh, May seventh actually. It said, "Thanks so much for sharing your videos on Facebook. They've helped me so much. You guys are awesome." Then he posted a video of a young dog working through and picking up um, some planted sheds. And he said, "I might have to. You might have to click on it a few times to play it all the way through. It's got a glitch, but I've been planting." sheds a few days before we train. She's five months old and has been finding the sheds on her own for about a month now. Blows my mind every time she brings me one when we're out shed hunting. She found seven during the month of April out of my 63. First off, 63 is a lot of sheds. You had a lot of opportunities, which is great. And I think you there's, there, uh, there's nothing to be risked about taking a dog too young shed hunting, in my opinion, regard as long as you have realistic expectations. I do think there's a lot to be risked by taking a dog to the field from a gun dog standpoint, a shooting dog standpoint, because I think there's way too many uncontrolled variables 
and lack of preparation for those variables can really create some damage that is long-term, um, if not maybe unrecoverable or nearly unrecoverable. It's just, it's a recipe for disaster. And I always tell people, you know, I'd rather wait an entire season and have another year on the dog to make sure that we're prepared as opposed to trying to push it a little bit too soon in, in dealing with those issues. So my mind reads this, reads this message and I go, man, five months old, been finding him for a month. You're, this is May 7th. In the month of April, you, you said the dog found seven. You're the guy that I tell people not to worry about. <laughs> and, and I say that in the most respectful way, but I, I get, I see, I hear, I'm tagged into forums and stuff that talk about shed dog stuff. And, you know, we see these four month old puppies out picking up antlers. I don't believe it. I, and now I don't, I believe what I see, but what I see is not necessarily 100% the reality. It's what we've captured on the phone and looks good. And we don't see all the things that don't look good. Like the dog didn't pick it up, ran by, ran past it, um, maybe ran off with it, maybe laid down and chewed on it, that kind of stuff. And so now I'm not accusing you of anything, but what I'm saying is, is I agree that you can get some type of positive step in the right direction, but I don't want anyone to be fooled into the idea that four months is a realistic or be expected, um, nor five months. And so that's, so what I said was my message back to him was it looks great. Be patient. Those are the first four words. Looks great. Be patient. And I, because I know the, I, I know the type that, that sent me this message. The person that sends me this message is real ambitious. Um, really a hustler wants to achieve a lot quickly. Um, in, 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 the problem with it is, is oftentimes you can do it in life. You can't do it with dogs. I know it. I, I just, I'm telling you, trust me. I know you, I know everybody's got, we talked about it. I think in the last podcast or the podcast before everyone thinks they have LeBron James for a dog. You don't. And that's okay. Cause no one else does either. And it, it's not like it's, they're not common or existing. So my first words were, looks great, be patient. I think it's great to get them out going young, but realist, be realistic and don't overlook foundation. I know there's no way to have a dog have the amount of foundation that it needs in order to do what I want it to do in the field by that age. I just know that. So I said, that all takes time and the pup needs to have the opportunity to mature both mentally and physically. So it can be a lot on both ends of that spectrum. Physically, we can just get them tired and get them bored and get them to the point where they don't want to do it anymore. Um, and that's especially if we're realistically shed hunting because no one shed hunts for three minutes stints. No one goes shed hunting for a five minute walk. It's, it's oftentimes way too much. It's, it's just like taking little kids. I can't take little kids on an all day shed hunt the way I would like to shed hunt. If I'm going to take our little kids, I'm going to make sure that the, the shed hunt is for the kids, not for me to get the most sheds. And that's the only way I'll salvage that kid wanting to shed hunt with me in the future. Because otherwise they're going to get super bored. They're going to get super tired. They're going to get super crabby. You're going to be stuck with them out in the middle of the woods and, and it's going to be uncomfortable for everybody. And it mm -hmm. has all been dictated by your, by your planning, poor planning, I should say. So I said, one sure way to run into an issue in training is to push too far, too fast. Young pups are bored and burnt out easily. So I, I said it must much cleaner and shorter and concisely in my message than I just mm -hmm. described it to you. That's the difference between a emailed message and a replied verbal. I get a lot, you get a lot more out of me verbal. So on May 14th, one week later, thanks for the info. 
Um, no, actually, I took a week to get to him. So I, I, it was May 13th I replied. May 14th he responded, thanks for the info. Once again, you've helped me. I'm pushing a little too hard and expecting way too much. I'm having an issue with her chasing deer and turkeys right now. It's pretty frustrating because I want to be able to just have her be loose around the house during the day. And she keeps being tempted when deer and turkeys come around the house. I've been trying to catch her and correcting her with a shot collar, but she isn't getting it. It's my first time training a dog to find sheds and blood tracking. I want to do right. Any advice on the chasing would be greatly appreciated. So I responded back. Now, I think we should break that down. You know, it was a reminder. Keep this in mind. It was only six days later that this light bulb went on for him where he said, I've, I am pushing a little too hard and expecting too much. Think about it. Like it took me just saying that for you to, I think, I don't know that you necessarily didn't know it. You just didn't want to accept it and acknowledge it maybe. I do think sometimes people don't want to, they have a really hard time telling me the things that their dog is not doing well. They tell me what the dog is doing well. And they have a really hard time with recognizing some of the shortfalls until I tell them what my dogs do and how poorly they do with certain things. And then all of a sudden they go, my dog does that too. My dog does that too. But you didn't tell me about it until I told, and that's okay. Cause I think people are just, I think people that don't know about something as much are a little bit more reluctant to admit that they don't know. I don't know that much about dog training guys. I'll tell you that. I have way more to learn. I, I know enough to be dangerous. But I don't know everything. Uh, I just messaged back and forth with a guy from the UK that I really enjoyed having some messaging back and forth with about different stuff. He's a trialer and we were talking about some of the stuff that they do with trialing. But I told him, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, you, you quite possibly and realistically probably know more about this than I do. But I don't think that it's a, a different perspective doesn't help once in a while. Because if all your perspective is is yours, you don't recognize or realize there's other stuff that you're not seeing. And sometimes that's deliberate, intentional on your part, and sometimes it's subconscious. So I think in one six-week, six-day period, all of a sudden me saying to him, you know what, slow down. Uh, I don't want you to see him burn him out or bore him. All of a sudden he went, you know what, I'm pushing him too fast. So that's good. I think that's simply recognizing it. It's, it's having that understanding and being able to diagnose a situation you're you're you that's a real real positive thing um, so then he said so he talked about the dog running off um, chasing deer and turkeys which I'm just gonna call them temptations and distractions temptations and distractions are getting in the way because it's probably not just deer and turkeys it's probably getting to be a little bit of everything especially at that age five months you kidding me with Bella around those for a couple two three times even more recently i've run into issues where i said i just can't let her out without putting her on a lead because she's not responsive enough to me and so i have to fix that before i give her the opportunity to fail and so he brought up that he put the dog on a collar she's not getting it the collar didn't work imagine wait a minute I listened to that guy at the podcast. He said, all you got to do is put a collar on it because it's, it literally is the magic wand in training. I heard a guy tell me that he's a dog. He sells dog collars, train, uh, shock collars. And I don't want to get real snarky about it, but I think 
this guy that sent me this message is the perfect customer for those salespeople because they've got all the lines that tell this guy this is how you fix these problems. And a and, and I'm not saying all shot collar guys are like that, guys and girls. I'm not saying that they're all like that, but I am saying that the great majority of the users are like this guy. It's a very, very small percentage of users that are like the what I consider to be a responsible user of one, a professional that probably has enough training to effectively use it without ruining and decimating a dog. Now, do I think they need it? No, I don't. Because if you're that good, I don't think you need it. But that's a different topic. But the problem is, is this guy is a real big percentage of folks that decided my dog doesn't listen, chases deer and turkeys in my yard at five months old, I'll put a collar on it to fix it. And then he messaged me and he had the honesty enough to say, she's not getting it. No kidding. I wouldn't either. I just think, so let me, so then I said, it all comes back to foundation. The foundation has to be there in simple controlled environments and then you slowly add distractions. All caps, I said, slow down. Get that right first. So if you don't, again, anytime we have issues, myself or anyone else, I guarantee you I can almost always, without fail, link it back and connect it to the foundation. There's holes. If you have holes, they show up. And if you have holes, you don't just keep moving because those holes let all the water out. You have to circle back and fill them in. It's gonna take time. So I'm gonna give you the permission to realize and recognize another thing you've never heard me say before. Time doesn't matter. It, I'll say it again. I'm giving you permission to recognize and realize that with raising your dog, it, time does not matter. It doesn't matter how old they are and it doesn't matter how long you take. I'm hold conditioning with Bella right now. We're into day four, she's done very well. I expect it'll be a few weeks before we're back. My goal is workshop. That's three weeks. So maybe, maybe not. I'm not going to force it to happen in time for the workshop. But I will tell you this. I got a YouTube. I had a really nice comment back from a guy on YouTube that um, thinks very differently on how to train a, a retriever. And so one of the things he comment and I say it was really nice because it wasn't a, he wasn't a jerk about it he was at least professional about it and we I, I appreciated his comments so one of the things he said was there's absolutely no reason for you to take six weeks to get through hold conditioning you're wasting valuable time that you could be working on more advanced things and I messaged him back and I said I have no right to tell you how quickly it should take just like you have no right to tell me how quickly it should take and if I can't sacrifice a couple weeks in the big picture of my dog's life in order to get to where I want to get with them because we're wasting time on things that are not as productive of training, then I got major problems because we got, I got plenty of time. And so, and one of the nice parts about it is when you have that attitude, when you have that understanding and you believe it, you truly believe it as opposed to caring about what Tim, John and Greg say at the gun club about how you're going and how you're progressing. That's part. That's a separate issue, worrying about what other people think. But when you have that freedom and understanding and you truly believe it, it becomes an awful lot of fun 
to train the dog. And so the words frustrated, now you still get frustrated. There's still little things that bug you. There's still things that don't go smoothly. I'm not saying things go all go good. They still go poorly. Hell, I, I might have more problems than anybody. But I don't let those problems turn me into a goon when it comes to my dog. I don't let those problems, I don't hold grudges against the dog for it for when it's my fault. I don't hold grudges against the dog when it's their fault. And the, a lot of it comes back to the understanding and realization that I really don't have a timeline that I have to be done by. The sooner I'm done, what? Then, then what? It's like playing golf. I, I would have no interest in playing golf if you got points for playing fast. Hell, I like the game. I kind of want to go slower with it. I'd like to do it longer. I don't understand why our society wants to rush through things so quickly in so many scenarios. So slowing, slowing down is almost always the answer. So, and I put it in caps. I mean, I literally put it in capital letters here. So he, so then what happened was I said, you're seeing the issues that are created when you move too quickly. We can't speed up training to fit our schedule or desires and a collar, a shock collar, is going to create huge issues for you in the future if you continue to use it like this. It's certainly not gonna fix anything and he sees that. So his answer was, thank you, I'll slow down, I'll ditch the collar. She definitely knew it was me that shocked her yesterday when she was chasing. Afterwards, she didn't want to come to me. It made me sad. I think this coming this week we'll do some easy training, get her back, get her trust back. So that to me is a real powerful thing where he says he used the collar to fix the problem and then the dog didn't want to come by him. And so what's the first what what is part of the issue that you're already having? Can't get the dog to come back to you. When there's too big of a distraction, you can't call the dog back. Well, what is that foundational thing? It's recall. So stop to the whistle, I think, is an important one there that I would be working on. I wouldn't expect a dog at five months old to stop to the whistle with the distraction of a deer turkey, cold turkey, literally. Like you, couldn't, you can't start out like that. But I can't stop Bella right now on, on a rabbit. Saw it the other night. Part of the reason why she's on a lead the last three days is four or five nights ago, Rabbit went across the driveway and she went. Now, she came right back, but she gave chase and I couldn't stop her. So I know the fix is not put a collar on the dog. I know what the fix is, get better at stop to the whistle in, temptation, in tempting situations. But that doesn't mean start with a rabbit and try to stop her with the whistle because I know it's not gonna work, I tried that. So we're gonna start with very simple controlled areas, and then we're going to work up slowly with some distraction. That's why we have bird pens. That's why we have opportunities with fences. Certain things are on one side and she can't get to it even if she tries to. So we're going to slowly work to get to that point. But what I think is important here is for you to realize the issue itself is connected to recall. And then the fix that you tried and I don't know where you came up with it. You probably Googled it. I mean, that, you Google it, that's what's going to come up because they spend way more money. Shot collar companies spend way more money to advertise than I, I do. So they're going to come up first. And so where, however you found the, the answer being the collar, 
You put the dog on the collar, you used it, and now the dog doesn't want to come to you. That's your results. And I know what the collar people right now that are listening, maybe they don't even listen anymore, and that's fine too. And and I, I say that not, again, I don't want to sound like a, a jerk, but I, I feel really strongly about this. And so if... The ant, if you're a collar pro collar person and you're saying, yeah, well, you didn't use it right. Well, no shit. You didn't use it right. And much like 99% of the world that uses them doesn't use it right. And the idea of, well, it needs to be trained first and this is just a tool to reinforce it or however that line goes. I'm going to say if you had it trained first, you don't need it in the first place. You don't need it secondly because you've got it trained properly without so it's a real circle there that I hear the arguments for, and I don't, we're not going to get into it any deeper today, um, but it's probably building up in me. Um, and so, but this, this is a really good, so the answer is a couple of things to, to this. This was a great question that the guy sent. This is a great series of messages the guy sent, because I don't think he's the only one in the boat that has a dog that doesn't come back when there's a distraction. And I don't think he's the only one in the boat that wants to take the dogs out really early hunting and run into, runs into issues beyond hunting later. Now, I'm not saying don't hunt the dog and I'm not saying don't have fun with the dog and I'm not saying, I told you that part already. You can with realistic expectations and understanding that you can't go out there and do things that you're just not ready to do. And that's okay. Because there's nobody knocking on your door saying you've got one week to finish. You as long as it takes. And I don't know that getting it done that much quicker is the is that much more enjoyable. Not when you start to embrace the idea of training is just as much fun as the end result. I get so much enjoyment out of I'm really enjoying hold conditioning right now. It's a first. I hate hold conditioning. I avoid it like the plague. That's why she's 13 months old. If it was something that was really fun, I'd have had it done by now. But I also introduced her to gunfire. How old is she? Ten months? About ten months, yeah, I would it say. Wasn't long ago. It wasn't that long ago. And that wasn't that's fun. I mean, introducing the gunfire is not bad. I had no reason to do it earlier, and I had didn't it just it wasn't the right setup. I didn't have the right situation to do it. So I didn't do it. And you know what? That's okay. She's she loves gunfire. She associates it with retrieves. I mean, you start doing stuff when they don't retrieve very well and you want to hurry up and intro gunfire and you tie a retrieve to it. Now you're tying a, tying a retrieve that they're not very good at to a gunfire and, you, and it creates this animosity because they're not good at retrieving and you're struggling with that in the first place. So why would you add layers on top of something you're not doing very well in the first place? It's just an example. But we, we, we have to get rid of the fear of somebody else thinking something about you because of the pace you're at with your dog. I just watched I just watched some Paul French videos. My buddy Chris Smith told me there's some new ones up, so I went to their YouTube channel. I watched them. They uh, they do a lot of UK um, try. They cover a lot of trials, Springers and Cockers and Labradors and all all sorts of stuff. I really enjoy watching it. So anyway, I watched some. One of the guys I was interviewing, his dog was in trials, six years old, going on seven. Six years old, going on seven, and and doing really well. And so, over here, six, seven years old, man, they're old. They're old news. I, I want these dogs that are. We we want to see these dogs competing and winning when they're 
turn in two or less. We're competing with them when they're a year or less to some degree. How come? Well, it gets more people involved, I suppose. More entry fees, I suppose. I mean, there is a business aspect to it as well. And I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying, we put an awful lot of pressure on ourselves to get things done really quickly with real young dogs. And that, to me, is, is one of our biggest, the big, one of the easiest things for us to fix and probably get really, really positive impacts by doing it. That's it. I'm off my soapbox. That's it, man. Cut it out. Another under 25 minutes, barely, but we did it. Um, thank you guys for your support. We appreciate it. Like I said, we're gonna we're, we are continuing to do these. I don't know. We're gonna push. We're pushing that three-digit mark. I really want to get to the hundred. So we're we're doing our best. And I just kind of joke about that, but I don't know. I think that is kind of a big deal. That's you. You, you know, I want it for you, Ben. I want you to hit 100. All right, that's it, you guys. Enjoy this. If you're listening to this and it's on a vacation on a Memorial Day week and you are relaxing, enjoy it. Uh, be grateful and thankful for all of those who sacrificed to allow it. I know people get a big thing about, oh, it's, it's not Veterans Day. It's more, I get it. I get it. Every day should be Veterans Day. Every day should be Memorial Day. I don't think it's the worst to thank vets also. Like, why can't we thank them too? So I thank you guys for for allowing us the freedoms that we have. You guys stay strong. I know we're still in the in the grips of the COVID thing, and uh, we are we are we are getting there. I, every day it's better, and it depends on how you want to look at it. It can be better or it can be worse. It's up to you. I recommend better. So thank you guys for the support. We're gonna keep doing it. <laughs>